One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, the pages of Vanity Fair, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Kat Napson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we've got a lot of news to get to, breaking news from a long time ago. And this is our chance to take a deep dive into the two big stories. And yes, more are coming out even as we're recording, because that's kind of how it works. But the Vanity Fair articles last week, which got a lot of people talking and a lot of people celebrating, full of great things inside. Troubling things, maybe, question mark, and definitely some big reveals. We're going to dive in here today on Force Center. Before we do, we'll let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download in a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, 
or MP3 player. A little bit later, we have our Four Center Recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Uh, before we catch up and dive into life adventures, it is uh, getaway week, getaway uh, <laughs> packing time. Uh, we are getting ready to go to Star Wars Celebration. Uh, Joseph, you and I are going to be eating and drinking in hotel lobbies. That's our point. No. Um, <laughs> it's all tacos and action figures for us. <laughs> it is, it is. But we do want to keep you guys updated on some of the things that we'll be doing there. Uh, the first one we've mentioned before, on Thursday, that is, uh, what, May 26th, dates don't matter this week, Thursday, 2 p.m., uh, we're going to be on the podcast stage, uh, Joseph and I, as guests of uh, Alex and Molly Damon's Star Wars Explained podcast. Going to be covering a lot of things. It's it's kind of a fun hodgepodge from our favorite background characters, fun questions from the audience, uh, talking Kenobi, any news drops. It's going to be kind of a, a Star Wars Explained Force Center catch-all episode. Going to be a lot of fun. Again, that's live on the podcast stage at 2 p.m. Thursday. And then, Joseph, uh, we could fill some people in on uh, 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 what we're uh, hoping will be a, a Force Center meetup on Saturday, yeah? That's right. We have rough plans that might change because it's a wild convention. Uh, we were looking at our schedule and wanted to uh, have a chance to have a meetup. Uh, some other uh, podcast people are doing this as well. We really got to get there and get the lay of the land to figure out exactly kind of where in the hotel space it's sort of permitted to say, hey, meet us in this corner. Um, so we're hoping to do that on Saturday of the convention around 3.34, around that general time. If you're interested in that and know it's coming up on Saturday, uh, just go ahead and check in on the Force Center uh, Twitter feed. And we're going to tweet out once we uh, get that all uh, scheduled and, and make sure it all makes sense. Yeah, 2% chance, I say, pool party at our hotel. But I'm, I'm, I'm probably not. <laughs> right. um, but, <laughs> uh, I will be wearing three different Star Wars t-shirts at, at the pool. Uh, there will be... Same. <laughs> no pastiness going on from me. <laughs> same, same. I haven't swam shirtless since the 80s. All right. So I'm with you there. Uh, but yeah, so as Joseph said, uh, we're going to keep you updated, but we're looking at that Saturday around 4 p.m. spot. Yeah, a lot, lot of things going on. In fact, so, someone actually, a couple of you have emailed, hey, hey, Ken, what's your schedule? Where can I meet up with you? I don't know. We have a rough idea, but that's also part of the fun. It is uh, organic versus flowing, right? <laughs> Rigid versus uh, just go over the flow and finding that balance. So we're gonna get to it work. really, really is. Yeah, it is. Uh, we love to catch up as always. We, get, we got a lot of news to get to, so I don't want to uh, make that uh, cut that short at all. But uh, it was fun stuff. It, it, it is the, the feeling of Star Wars is in the air. Uh, so it's been a fun time there. Jennifer, any, any adventures for you? I mean, I've been re-watching everything, uh, I, although I am currently at Force Awakens. You know, I got stuck on The Mandalorian because I was like, oh, let me just watch one episode from season two. Okay, well, now I got to watch the next one. All right, the next one. I watched the whole second oh, yeah. season. It's just so dang good. And uh, and now having rewatched some of the things from The Clone Wars and obviously Star Wars Rebels, it all fits together so beautifully. Um, so I have been talking to my family is tired of Star Wars because <laughs> everything comes back to it. And my daughter, I was explaining something to her today. And I was like, you know, in Star Wars. And she's like, oh. So, Yeah. Yeah, I need. I might need a little break, but man, I have been. I've just been loving it. It's so fun to go back and rewatch this. I don't get to do this very often, so this was yeah. a little treat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. so great. I imagine like some of the Bo Katan stuff in particular really resonated after going through all the Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I love Katie Sackhoff. I love her from uh, Battlestar Galactica, but yeah, I mean, just she's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. That's, that's great. Me. Yeah, I ended up watching Revenge of the Sith 
Uh, there was a week of documentaries, uh, the kids in the hole, uh, kind of oral history documentary, the George Carlin two part doc. I'm about finishing that up. Uh, the documentary on Rolling Stone editor, Ben Fong Torres. It was Ken documentary weekend of pop culture <laughs> docs, but I made sure I stopped to watch revenge of the Sith while I packed up some tech stuff for the convention. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Joseph, any, anything, uh, exciting in your star Wars adventure weekend? Well, uh, first, I'm just having fun imagining you watching a bunch of documentaries and then Revenge of the Sith and going like, why aren't there like slow Ken Burns movements in the camera? Yeah, yeah. Was this Carlin's uh, Sith phase? Is this what this is? Kenobi scored a great victory against Grievous, but alas, it was to turn into ash. Uh, Anyway... Uh, yeah, no, I, I had some great Star Wars adventures because there's just so much Star Wars going on. But the big thing is, apparently my wife and I just love driving to Anaheim. Uh, <laughs> earlier this month, we had some friends who were uh, at uh, Disneyland. So we drove down to Anaheim just to have dinner with them. And then this last weekend, we went to Disneyland because our friends very kindly, kindly got us some tickets. So I'm just like, I just live on the road between Los Angeles and Anaheim now. Uh, but we, had, my wife and I had a wonderful day at Disneyland, uh, many little Star Wars adventures. But the big thing is, Finally got to go on Rise of the Resistance. Um, oh. and, and we actually went on mm. twice. It was great. Oh. We did the, figured out all the app stuff and we did the Genie Plus and the Lightning Lane and just basically like looked at my own phone and threw cash at it until it let me on the Rise <laughs> of Resistance ride. Uh, we went in the morning. It was great. And then there was a, a, a big parade, the electrical parade that they haven't done in a while. And like mm. the whole park was there. And Sarah and I were way in the back. And then I was like, looking at my phone and like, it's only 40 minutes to get on Rise of the Resistance. So we rushed back in. Um, okay. And it was, it was really, really great to experience twice. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who has, uh, hasn't been on the ride yet and wants to be. But what was really cool about the experience was when, when we used the lightning lane, we were able to get in really fast and we skipped the line and, and the ride was amazing. Uh, but then when we went back, we did this slow snaking through the line. It was just a great reminder of the storytelling power of the rides that and storytelling in general, that sometimes the slow build in the little details you pick up um, you in the line, this shouldn't be a, a huge spoiler. You wind through the base that Vimeradi and everybody suffered to yeah. set up wow. and slowly going through that base and seeing how much work has been done to build up the resistance did make the ride even more powerful. Uh, so that was really great. And then uh, final thing, when, when we went back in the evening uh, and waited in that line, it's when they were doing the fireworks and they had a little announcement going off like, by the way, the fireworks are really loud here in mm. uh, in Batu, and they are. So it was this really great thing of it felt like uh, the First Order was shelling us. Because <laughs> oh, <geez>. ah. <laughs> we were already winding in and there were just like these, you know, holes in the in the stone so you, we could see the fireworks through the holes as the line went through. And there was just kind of this eerie silence in the line. It was like boom, 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 boom. And you'd see like flashes of light and like, we got to get out of here. The First Order is coming. <laughs> Merciful, man. I love it. <laughs> Disney's so good, man. They make you feel like you're in a war. Wow. <laughs> they did a good job of it. So, uh, yeah, really, really lucky and really enjoyed those rides. I totally forgot that you hadn't experienced it yet because I've been sitting on that experience talking about that with you. Uh, so, we'll do that off air so we don't spoil it for anyone else. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff uh, in there. That's great. That's great. Yeah. A little, little adventure for me, just kind of fun. Uh, I was uh, starting to do the. Uh, 
target runs, uh, you know, how many protein bars am I going to have in my hotel room type of trip, <laughs> uh, trying to get that done. And uh, I, I, as always, as Joseph and I always talk about here, if, if we go to a big box store that has a toy aisle, we're going to make that turn at one point to see what Star Wars toys might be there for us to uh, purchase uh, or just look at and dream of purchasing if you had more allowance money. And I did that and I turned the corner and there was two people kind of blocking the way and I had that kind of like I want I want to get I want to get it quill I want to get it quill there's a Lando I want to see <laughs> and I, I came back around I, I did a second pass and I realized it was it was Matt Martin and uh, uh, AJ a managing from um, Lucasfilm and that's a I, I made a fun joke of could the Lucasfilm people get out of the way so I could look at the Star Wars toys uh, which you know I don't know <laughs> if they, maybe offended them or not but it was uh, it was a lot of fun it was just fun uh, small world but uh, they're they're excited uh, for celebration works have celebration and you never know who's going to be in your toy aisle that's why you should always go to toy aisles kids and that's right <laughs> that's great and that is a great picture uh, if, if you follow Matt Martin on uh, social media there's no doubt that he doesn't just work at Lucasfilm he deeply loves Star Wars and it's yeah. fun to imagine him going like ooh what action figures are at Target <laughs> what's <laughs> on there uh, and i didn't pick up any toys all right let's get to the news a lot to get to here's the scoop kids we know uh that uh the, as even recording who knows how many more articles and interviews are being dropped by this big uh bounty of vanity fair articles interviews and details we are going to be discussing two big ones here the major article the revolution will now be televised or whatever the title was uh vanity fair is going to help us look ahead to star wars uh, future on tv and then we're going to also in the second half of the show look at the kathleen kennedy one-on-one interview with anthony Bresnikan and dive into some of the movie stuff and some of the bigger things in there. Uh, I know there was some stuff on Rogue One today with Tony Gilroy. I want to especially uh, a shout out uh, Mark Canope in our Discord who shared uh, screenshots of that because I uh, wouldn't have read it otherwise. My subscriptions of the Vanity Fair is uh, not up to date, so I can't read those articles. Uh, but let's dive in. All right, take a breath, Ken. Here we go. <laughs> This are, uh, this article dropped last week and immediately, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the discourse, but we're going to choose to really focus on what was in the article. Great reveals, big <laughs> news, wonderful, fun things. But Joseph, Jennifer, what are your overall reactions to this article, how it happened, everything around it, uh, Jennifer? This is what I've been waiting for, especially from Anthony Bresnikan, who is a great journalist, nay, Star Wars journalist, I might say. He <laughs> always knows how to ask really thoughtful questions, um, and people seem to open up to him, feel comfortable with him. And he's also a great writer, and what I enjoyed was how he, he set the stage, and he kind of not only shared the excitement, but also some of the drama leading up to this new slate of Disney plus shows. So I just ate it all up. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well said. Uh, I, I agree with that there. Uh, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about his questions later on, but it was good to see the Brez kind of come back <laughs> onto the yes, spot. The, uh, the good, the bad, and all of it there. Uh, but good to have the Brez there. Uh, Joseph, your overall reaction to this uh, article, uh, which of course, you know, we read online uh, in the old days, this would have been mailed out and we've been reading it around our house, but your thoughts. Yeah, no, I I, I uh, did actually physically pick up the uh, the actual Vanity Fair, the magazine with the printing and nice. <laughs> the smells and everything. I smelled this article. Um, I agree with uh, Jennifer, though, that <laughs> I do think it is. I think it was set up as a story, right? The narrative mm -hmm. is that Star Wars has been back for a while. There have been massive successes. There have been uh, stumbles in many people's opinions. So kind of what is next? Um, so I think the fact that it was set up as a narrative was really good. I, I was uh, delightfully shocked about the sheer amount of news dropped in this article. There was really 
a ton of stuff, like like four or five things that normally would have been just huge news by themselves and some major announcements not presented as major announcements, presented as a peek behind the curtain. Um, and obviously we're going to get into those. I also really like that um, uh, it, it drew out a lot of really human fun details a lot of stories about how uh, the different actors uh, children's <laughs> were <laughs> reacting or would react all that kind of stuff uh great stuff there um and, and then i think the, the the biggest thing for me is there's we've talked for years on, on four center and we're certainly not alone about wanting this star wars buffet you know realizing that it's a large fandom with uh, different interests different generations different entry points uh, just different tastes and kind of want a little something different out of star wars and it, it's hard to make just like one movie or one show star wars these days so wanting that buffet and being able to say hey if you're all about obi-wan great and if not uh well here comes andor um in the fact that the article focuses on that and that the cover of vanity fair is basically like the Star Wars buffet is coming into existence finally is really thrilling. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah, that cover was great. A lot of the photos great, but yeah, uh, that that's kind of where I was like I was overwhelmed by it in in the way in, in the spirit of what kind of what you're talking about Joseph where I was just like by the time I caught up to it I it's one of those things where the tweets started dropping before I knew this existed, right? right? It was like what's wait, what's happening? So I felt overwhelmed like I was swimming upstream, but once I I caught up it was a big bounty of yes. Just mm. like, ah, oh, look at this and that and that. And we're going to talk about the, you know, the reveal of the John Watts show, which started floating around the internet, I think, even before that. But, you know, just to have that there, the acolyte, it really, truly was like a checklist of not everything yet. We, we know there's still some answers out there uh, uh, lingering on some of the big questions we have about Lando and all those kind of shows. We'll, we'll get to those in time. But, yeah, it was just wonderfully overwhelming of just this bounty of, of yes, the bounty of Star Wars. So it's a, it's a good way to uh, to look at it there. Uh, but without a doubt, uh, almost immediately, the, the discourse around the article sprung up, and, and I, as it should, and, and I, as I wouldn't expect it to, to go any other way. Um, so without getting into the details of it there, I just wanted to ask both of you if that affected how you took in the article. Um, how, you know, did you get to the article first, discourse later? Uh, did you shield <laughs> yourself from it? I, I'm curious if, if it affected you at all or, or in any way, Joseph. Yeah, I think I was really lucky to do article first, uh, discourse second. Um, that I I checked my my phone in the morning and um, I, I can't remember. I, I think it was like a, a an email about a, a tw- or a tweet mm-hmm. notification. It was one of the few times that Twitter's notifying. Hey, here's the thing you're interested in. You're like, you're right, Twitter. I am. Um, <laughs> so I read the whole article and I kind of expected it to be not a puff piece by any means, but I thought I expected it to be a little bit more just the kind of the human details with the actors, right? Of like, mm-hmm. it's coming back. How does Rosario Dawson feel? How does Ian McGregor feel? The fact that it was just kind of dropping news bomb after news bomb, yeah. I just read in shock. And then when I got to the quote that we're going to discuss, the the mm-hmm. one that I think was, um, you know, a little jarring in the main article, it had much better context in the one-on-one interview with Kathleen Kennedy. As soon as I read that, I knew like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is going to be the discourse for a while, that one line, and then we're going to have to wait a while until mm-hmm. fans really start to engage with all the big news there. So um, I think I, I kind of just accepted the discourse and let it wash over me. Hmm. Oh, that's a... Uh... Okay, that's good. I'm going to follow that lead next time, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I read the article first. I I loved it. I agreed with everything. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense when I read that that particular part of Kathleen Kennedy's uh, comment. I think that's what we're, gonna, we're referencing. Um, and then a few hours later, all of a sudden, I saw all this discourse about that. And I went, 
oh my, oh my gosh, did I miss something? Like, I don't, uh. and then I actually, uh, for the first time I listened to uh, Vanity Fair hosted a space on Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, Anthony Bresnikan was there sharing about the interview, what that was like and all this stuff. And it just sounded like how I envisioned it, which was just more of just a conversation. And I, I don't know, I, I didn't take it as black and white as perhaps some other people saw it. Um, yeah. Again, we'll talk about that later, but I, I was really shocked and it, it made me a little bit sad because I saw some people were really, really angry, you know, it just made me like, man, there's so many great things to pull from this article. And then that's the one that gets the most traction. And it was a little, it was a little disappointing. And then I went back and I looked at that cover. And I, oh, nothing's going to steal my joy from that cover. <laughs> that is a framer. So uh, steal the joy. That's a great way to look at it. As I said, uh, the discourse and the tweets and everything, including, I must say, make sure like the excitement uh, mm-hmm. from the article got me in the tweets too. Like it wasn't, I just, I didn't just see the negative thing and I don't want this uh, to come off as, as me tisk tisking anyone here. Uh, I understand that that quote, it deserves or that section of the interview, both in both the main article and the interview, they deserve analysis and deserve a digger deep. And we're going to do that here. Uh, a digger deep, a, d- a deeper, di- a deeper dig, <laughs> a digger deep. Is, I think that's some sort of ice cream. Um, so um, my, my word enchiladas, there they go. Um, so, I, I, I was, I, what, what affected me was a kind of a, here we go again vibe. And I didn't <laughs> read the article for like two hours. Oh. I just didn't touch it. I was yeah. like, I just don't want, I just wow. don't want to go into it. I just don't want to do this today. And I, I taught, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, uh, well, no, he, he doesn't matter. It's Steve Ellis from Black Series Rebels, and and uh, you know they're active, but they don't. They're not super active in the Star Wars discussion space anymore. They still have their show. Still, they'll, they'll be there dropping some pins at celebration. But you know, he's had a, a relationship with Star Wars the last couple of years that's faded. Um, he he's pulled back a little bit, and, and for a lot of different reasons. And, and he told me because I, I woke up at five a.m. because he has two kids now. You know that pain, Jen, where you're up early. <laughs> Yes. And he goes, I read, read that article in, in, at 5 a.m. Um, in, in the dawn, <laughs> breaking dawn of my house. And I, I, for the first time in years, S on the end of that, years, felt joy for Star Wars. Mm. And he goes, within two hours, the joy started to dampen again. Again, that's his personal journey, personal relationship with, this, in, with the, the, the day and the discourse. But he, he goes, it kind of bummed me out again. Um, all of it. Again, not just one side of the argument or anything like that. So I get, it. I kind of felt that too, of just like, here we go again. But what we always say here, what does Star Wars say? Between darkness and light, there is hope. So we're going <laughs> to yeah. push past that. We're going to move past it. And Can I throw in it. one thing real real quick? Um, yeah. I, I know we're going to talk about the actual substance of the, um, of the quote later, but I think for me, when we talk about the discourse, it always is not necessarily what the opinion is, because I think mm-hmm. there's, there's a reason to have lots of different opinions about that quote it's about the way it's expressed yes and and i think that's what continues to be the challenge so anybody listening who is you know uh uh, upset confused uh annoyed uh disagreed with that quote uh i get it It, when i talk about the discourse it's the way it's expressed with the vitriol and the anger and the stuff that star wars generally is not for (laughs) yeah no i'm actually very glad you pointed that out because that was kind of steve's experience too it wasn't necessarily the what the how it's just the kind of the why of it and why again and just the loud noise that uh, that happens, but again, I, I really don't mean that to be a, a finger wag. It's just it is what it is, and you choose how you interact with it, and that's what yeah. I have to remind myself mm-hmm. too. Like you said, Joseph, just the the article uh, falling over your head like a nice warm shower. That's not what you said, but it sounded. Like it. <laughs> it sounds um, great. I need a shower. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, because of that, let's we're gonna we're gonna move on and focus on the bigger reels. And yes, we're gonna get into some of the uh, 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 Kathleen Kennedy quotes and, and the solo of it all in a bit here. But we got some big 
reveals, and we want to talk about him. We've got a lot on Andor. Tony Gilroy, who loves, apparently, you know, I've always said he's not a huge Star Wars fan, but he loves talking Star Wars. That is clear. Uh, again, if you're going to read the third article that came out today, warning, spoilers, down to the episode numbers of when things happen. We're not going to talk about them here today. Uh, but to be clear, he was like, in this episode, blank, blank happens. Uh, Tony Gilroy pitched it to, 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 to Diego Luna. I love this story. Uh, this phone call that uh, Diego got, the back of a car. He pitched it as a, as a refugee story of sorts. So we'll, we'll find a, a cynical nihilist Andor watching the Empire rapidly expand as he learns that he can't run forever and must join the fight. And I'm just, that's just my general summary of 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 mm. a lot more that was said here. So how did how did you react to that, and how does that affect your anticipation for the show, Jennifer? I'm going to start with you because over the last year or so, we we've been talking about Andor and our excitement, but I want to get up to date with your excitement, especially now. Oh my gosh, this really got me excited. I felt like Tony Gilroy was pitching me, and I said, "Yes, mm. I am all in." I love how he described the show as having a quote a huge orchestral Dickens Dickens Dickensian, thank you, Dickensian ensemble cast. That really pulled me in. Um, I am excited to meet new characters, explore uh, Cassian Andor and his thoughts and his backstory. Um, there, there's just so much, and I and I like that we're gonna get multiple seasons of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I am excited. You know what it made me think of? It, it sounded really epic, and it reminds me of like a Star Wars Game of Thrones. Um, mm. this, this might be it. The, just kind of like the grand scope of it and how it sounds more. I mean, the sets, just if you look at the behind the scenes footage, it looks very like a movie set. Mm-hmm. Grand, you know? So he we'll had, see. He added the detail that there's over 211 speaking roles, 75 of them, quote, matter. And <gasps> that, that led into the Dickensian uh, quote that was pulled out from that interview and put into this main article. Wow. That's a lot. And that's, that's a, lot. a lot. And I think you're right, Jen. It could have that kind of vibe. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph. Yeah. I mean, I really like uh, all, all these pieces kind of coming together, describing it as Dickensian. Uh, uh, the uh, quote that he had about that the majority of the first season is happening, at least when we're following Cassian on the planet that he is currently living on. So that mm. to me suggests why they can do bigger sets, why there is a longer cast or a larger cast mm. of, you know, 75 speaking roles that matter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because if this is a truly a slowed down a story of what it is to decide you must fight. If this is somebody who's just trying to get by, uh, Cassian is just trying to get by and we are getting to know the people in its life and feel their pain as things are taken from them and, and made worse. It, it makes sense that they can really focus in on that. Um, mm. I really, it, th- I didn't expect this. I expected it to start with Cassian already motivated and already involved. And it sounds like maybe that's going to get into the second season where, where we'll deal with some of the awful things he does in the name of hope and how he wrestles with that, which leads him uh, mm. to where he is in rogue one. But mm. I'm really excited for how timely this story is. Um, uh, there are lots of different ways to engage with Star Wars, including enjoying it a little bit more as, uh, as escapism, space wizards with laser swords. Um, but I think Star Wars has always been political. I think Cassian Ander's story is political, and this is so timely. Uh, there's that quote about uh, the, the feeling of having to move is behind this story. The idea that mm. this is a refugee, that getting to feel what it's like to be somebody who just like, I didn't make any choice. I didn't do anything. A large government is just causing a war on every planet I go to and I have to keep moving. Um, 
that's really, really exciting to me. Um, it, it sounds like the whole show is going to be this, um, similar to journeys we've seen before, like with the, the Tico sisters or with Jin deciding they need to fight, but really taking the time, uh, is super powerful to me. Um, cause I think we're in a period right now where it's very easy to give into cynicism and nihilism and just here, here's all the things that are wrong and how they can never be fixed and to go through a long journey with somebody who feels that way, understandably, and then decides to get involved is really powerful. Yeah, I think this is a series that focuses on uh, the hope that's prevalent in Star Wars, but might be a little uh, dirty and grittier on the way there. And I don't mean a dirty and gritty adult Star Wars series, but just like starts in a different spot than Heroes Blade or I Have a Bigger Calling is someone who maybe even doesn't want the calling, uh, is rejecting it because of uh, everything that's around uh, them that's horrible and 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 would push you uh to to the margins so i i'm with you I, my excitement joseph and jennifer is it, 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 the meter just exploded out of the top yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know important yeah, the, depth uh, yeah go ahead yeah i was just gonna say one of the other things is i love how much they focused on we're gonna see the empire being horrific to multiple planets <laughs> yeah. you know colonizing and raiding planets of resources that's always been implied uh, by the empire's actions in even the original trilogy with what they do to alderaan but we've been seeing so much of it in animation books video games i think it's gonna be really good for the story of star wars to show this is what the dark side is this is what the empire did to the galaxy in live action so you know honestly more casual star wars fans um understand that's what the empire is that's who palpatine is you know mm-hmm. mm, yeah 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 they, yeah I, yeah no, I'm, I'm trying to I don't want to make a pithy comment, but yeah, you might want to get rid of the imperial hats like I did. After that. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Like I, I don't have as much stormtrooper, like certainly first order stormtrooper stuff as I as I might have because I have yeah. been viewing it from a different lens. So I mean, yeah. I, of course, I still have trooper artwork and stuff in my house, but you know, just yeah. give me a little bit of pause, especially with my kids. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think the series will bring some important depth as well as just being a, probably a really cool spy thriller. Mm -hmm. which is one of uh, Gilroy's strengths. Obviously, it's why he's on this project here. But I also look at it as just um, it's a, an exploration of, of of another kind of path to rebellion and a very important one. Again, one on the ground, one um, that is, uh, uh, we've like you said, just has been touched upon, Tarkin Towns, Tarkin Initiatives, all these kind of things that Death Star, we know the, the, the dark side destroys. And the Empire is, is uh, an arm of the of the dark side in many ways, including quite literally with, with Palpy around there. So I'm just, I'm, I'm excited about those details. And out of those details emerges that the story of Mon Mothma will run parallel of sorts to, to mm -hmm. Andor's story. So let's talk Mothma. We're very excited that Genevieve O'Reilly is back. Uh, thoughts on this revelation uh, that uh, the, the leader of the rebellion in a lot of ways is not just going to be showing up in the background. This is part of uh, her story as well. Joseph, uh, let's talk Mothma. Yeah, I'm really thrilled by that because I like the character. I like the actor. But in this context, they're describing it as a refugee story. And, and Cassian Andor is the refugee. That puts Mothma in this really interesting light if we're not already meeting her as basically, you know, the leader who sends her agent out on missions. If he's going through this refugee hell, it really puts the spotlight on Mon Mothma is someone of relative privilege who could have just gone along with it, right? Mm -hmm. She's in the Senate. She's from a core world, Chandrilla, which from everything we know of canon is 
perfectly prosperous core world, probably not suffering from the empire as much. She's a person who could just go, yeah, it's happening to other people and I'll be fine with it in my position of power. That makes it a really interesting story to see somebody who is a actual refugee like Cassian uh, on his way to getting involved in somebody who could choose pretty easily to just ignore the horrors like Mon Mothma, but instead chooses to sacrifice so much to get involved. That's really interesting. And that that photo of her in a new dress. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> proving that Mon Mothma has more than one dress, finally. Uh, that dress speaks of wealth, class, style, and really reminds you that this is the world that this person is operating in who is choosing to uh, get in and fight the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Jennifer, uh, thoughts on Mothma, uh, the importance of her character, and the importance of the dress. All there. <laughs> you know, that I had that same thought, Joseph. I was like, what, what is the fire inside of her that makes her want to join this fight? Where, where, where does that really come from? And I, I want to learn more about that thought process because she certainly did not have to choose that path. Um, she was always a very mysterious character for me as a kid, uh, you know, watching her in Return of the Jedi. And so I'm glad that we're going to get to really explore her character more. Obviously, we learn a lot about her in The Clone Wars. Um, now, the timeline might be off here, but I had a crazy theory and I was like, how cool would it be to see Mon Mothma taking young Princess Leia under her wings, mm. you know, offering some advice? Maybe it's just one scene. We're going to talk about recasting a little bit later, but I think that that would really be great. And it's going to be a great juxtaposition, as you said, between Cassian's story and her story of privilege. It's just, oof, it's great. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 75 important speaking roles. We, we can add a 76, right? <laughs> no, you're both, you're both uh, just hitting the, hitting all the notes here on this news. I, I considered this the best news in the article uh, because I just super excited to have this character around, but I just, I just thought this is Andor again, we're, we're servicing and we need to service, service Cassie and Andor. And I, I think this all will, but to just to be like, yeah, no, this is part of it. And it doesn't even necessarily, it's there. It's parallel. doesn't connect quite yet. Or, we're going to mm-hmm. play around with how he gets to there and, and, and we know where this ends up and we're exploring. But Mothma is this connective force that makes the rebellion happen in my eyes. You know, there's so many different paths to rebellion, but I truly believe it doesn't happen as we know it. If she's not there, if she doesn't make that speech at the end, if she is not that uh, she's crown leader, but someone that it needs to pull all the strands and tie them together. I, I think that's Mothma. And so I just, I, the, Joseph, you're hitting all the notes on the deep themes. Jen, you're hitting it too. I just, I'm so excited we get to see more and that maybe mm-hmm. more people will get to experience uh, what I feel a lot of Star Wars fans uh, know and love about the character of Mon Mothma. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. Yes. So the impending Kenobi-Vader duel in the series of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi has been pitched to the public as a rematch of the century vibe. You know, uh, we got uh, Vader, Kenobi, one more time, like it's a boxing match. But Deborah Chow pitched it here as a love story of sorts, saying Kenobi would never stop caring for Anakin. This is part of the reason they decided it was in the end, after some debate, the right choice to bring the character of Vader back to bring Hayden Christensen back, to fill it out. We've seen a lot of interviews out there about Hayden's thoughts on what he wants to do with the character and all these kind of things and why he came back. And the the, the answer, you know, to the why is is um, we're going to get the full story on that, but I just love everything so far. So I just wanted to talk to you uh, both about uh, thoughts on this uh, as we head into the series, that this, uh, this is truly a, a love story between brothers and more than just a let's go fight. It's something bigger and more important. Yeah, Joseph? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think for me, this is just so spot on. I love hearing Deborah Chow saying that, you know, um, I, I think if you just kind of absorb it from a cultural perspective, like, yeah, blue lightsaber, red lightsaber, mm-hmm. you know, Anakin must be so mad. Anakin Vader must be so mad at Obi-Wan for <laughs> cutting all his limbs off. And Obi-Wan <laughs> must be so mad at Anakin for falling to the dark side. And like, yeah, but I mean, what what is the last thing that Kenobi said to him? You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's right there. It is. That's that's the the heartbreak. I failed you and I loved you and I'm mad at you for making this choice. And I know it's your choice, but is there anything I could have done to help you not make that choice? Mm-hmm. Like that is that's the conflict, right? Uh, I love this uh, quote from from Deborah Chow, who said it was quite hard not to include the person who left Kenobi in such anguish in the series. Um, and I also thought it was kind of a huge reveal uh, in the Kathleen Kennedy interview uh, mm-hmm. that she says, I think what Deborah's done really effectively is she's explored the interior life of Obi-Wan because we find Obi-Wan at a point when he thinks he's killed Anakin. Mm-hmm. That is a huge thing that fans have been discussing and debating because um, we, we know that Obi-Wan is aware of the name Darth Vader because Palpatine uses it in the hologram, right? Right. Um, so that's been a lingering question of does in those 10 years, does Obi-Wan feel the presence uh, of this dark side, you know, out there that's familiar? That's some twisted version of Anakin. Does he hear rumors in town of this scary guy named Darth Vader and go, Darth Vader, wait. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge revelation about this show that part of yeah. this is going to be Obi-Wan's realization of, I've thought I killed him all these years. And that means if he's alive, there's a chance and I have to. Hmm. That's huge. That yes. that is huge to make that an immediate motivation from Obi Wan instead of something like I know he's out there and I should deal with it, but I want to stay here with Luke. Mm-hmm. If the 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 sudden realization that he is alive and you can choose yes or no, you're gonna try. You're yeah. gonna try to get to him. You're gonna try to get to your brother. Yeah, yeah. I really uh, and Jennifer, I'll let you, you you'll, you'll uh, slide in your here, but um. Love what you said there, Joseph. Just like if he's alive, I have to d- go do this. I have to. Now that doesn't make it easy. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to maybe try to run at times. That's obviously going to be part of it. But that's that that is a big reveal. It's been a fun canon question. Uh, you can look at it uh, from that angle, and, and we will. And I can't wait to get some of the details. But it's beyond that the emotion of it. And there's more to me. There's a little bit more punch by the information finally coming into his lap, maybe being confirmed. Maybe yeah, I thought I'd heard that. I don't know. There's a lot of Darth Vader's in the galaxy. It could be anyone else. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. It's just what the impact. And, and I, I, I just think this is the right angle on it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think there was any a, a chance they would do any other way on it. I just think it, it's great to have it highlighted as we go into the series. It is a rematch, a fight, a duel, but it's about the connection, the love as it should be. So uh, Jen, your thoughts on uh, this revelation? Yeah, I mean, this is this is human. This is human nature, right? It's not like we just go, eh, I'm going to fight you, eh, right? Well, maybe some people do. <laughs> but but the, the deepest wounds are caused by usually the people that you care about and that you love. I mean, that's why you know, family, whew, man, fam, there's a lot of family drama, and that's why it makes such a great story. Um, and so if you go back and watch The Clone Wars – and the prequels, you really see their relationship and how it evolves, how how complex it is. Mm. It's not just you know master and apprentice. It's not just brothers. It's like father and son. It's best friends. It's it's like this deep deep love that can cause you such anguish and torture, right? Yeah. Um, mm. And so I love that. That's what 
is driving this whole story. Because it's really easy to take two legacy characters, right? And Mm -hmm. have it just be a cool lightsaber rematch. You know, like the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One is really freaking cool. But to layer this betrayal and love underneath that, this rematch, oh my gosh. it, It makes it so that you, it will not, if you don't have that depth, it would pale in comparison to their their you know yeah. duel on Mustafar. So yeah, absolutely. there's no way that you're going to compare it. It's just going to add to their story, and that's what I, that's what I'm happy about. Yeah, I think you know we, we've got a couple questions, in, totally understandable of worrying about like, is this just going to be you know the way they're pitching rematch? Is this just going to be hey they they fought a third time when we've seen two important mm-hmm. fights between them? And, and the thing that I've always said is. I really hope it's an emotional rematch mm-hmm. and this feels like utter confirmation of it and is, you know, yet another example of why I, I do trust a lot of the creative decisions because they, they do keep the emotions as the guiding principle. Yes. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about guiding principles mm-hmm. in the second half here. Oh, I, love <laughs> stuff. I, love stuff. I did pass by, I was in uh, my old mall this week. I had to go pick something up and I uh, passed by the hot topic and the, the Kenobi uh, uh, art was the, in the window with the, with the mm. fight, the one that we're seeing. It looks yep. really cool, but I wouldn't mind if they put Keno- Obi Wan Kenobi, a Star Wars love story, underneath it. I, I think that ah, would. Work. I think that I would. like it. Uh, <laughs> Leslie Headland, uh, hey, uh, love we love Leslie Headland when she talks about Star Wars. She gave some wonderful insight into the acolyte, saying it's about 100 years before the Phantom Menace, and will center around political, personal, and spiritual things during an age of enlightenment. I'm summarizing a little bit here, but she says an age of enlightenment. Enlightenment when the Jedi aren't out and about getting into skirmishes. You know, they got clean outfits is uh, kind of what you mentioned there, but obviously a lot more to what she was saying. Uh, still a lot left to learn about this series. I'm just excited that we got a little mention of it here, but thoughts on this, Jennifer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it made me think. I was like, oh boy, gonna dive into the High Republic because <laughs> I don't right, yeah. think, <laughs> I think it is kind of gonna be, if you know the High Republic, it's just gonna add a little bit more. I don't think you're gonna have to know about it, but it mm-hmm. certainly will help. Um, and there there are so many fans that are loving the High Republic uh, content. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited because, you know, she's also uh, Leslie Headland. She's a fantastic filmmaker who really knows how to balance intense drama with comedy and dark mm. comedy. Mm. So I can't wait to see how she, how she brings that into Star Wars. Mm. Yeah, I really agree with you there. I'll just say quickly here, Joseph, and I'll let you um, close up this section of here. I, obviously, I'm just very excited for the series because every time I, I read or hear Leslie Headland talk about Star Wars, what she feels Star Wars is, or her just experience – I, I, I find myself just nodding along a lot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I totally get that. Oh, that's great. You've felt that. I'm so glad you got that. I just, I'm, I'm just excited what she does with this series here. But I will say, I do eventually want some clarity if this is a, quote, High Republic show or not. Doesn't right. matter to me either way. Uh, the reason I say this is I've had a few of those offline, I call them comic book shop conversations, <laughs> where a lot of people I, are excited for the series, by the way. I haven't heard... I haven't heard I've, the, the most negative, quote unquote, negative I've heard is I, I don't know what that is. Um, but other people are like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh, oh, Russian doll. I like Russian doll. She's, I've, I've had a lot of positive conversations, but a lot of people believe this is the High Republic show. Right. Um, or it's the, quote, end of the High Republic era. And now it could very well be. Uh, again, they're mentioning the, the timeline there. 100 Years Fan Menace puts it kind of smack dab in the middle of, of, of some of the High Republic stuff there, as we know. I just would love some kind of clarity. Um, Because it could end up being a disservice to the show 
um, where right. expectations are being stoked a little bit. I, no one's fault. No one's doing that. But I, I, I mean, I've talked to one particular example. Uh, I come it comes to mind is my the old comic book shop manager. He just was like, "Oh, I love the High Republic era. I can't wait for that High Republic show to come out." And I was like, "I did. I don't know if that's the case." <laughs> and I don't yeah. want you to be like, "Hey, where's the Elzar man?" Eh, not this one. Maybe it could happen that way. I don't know, Joseph. I'll, I'll say that and then pitch it to you to to take us home here on that. Yeah, I think this is about era. I don't think it's about characters or story. Maybe there will be echoes of uh, what happens at the end of the High Republic uh, initiative. You know, we were just about to start phase two, then head into phase three. Uh, we started 200 years before Phantom Menace, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and this is 100 years before Phantom Menace. So I think to me it is more about building out an era. And I think that it will be exciting to see some of the costumes, you know, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that we've seen in, in illustrations in live action, the way uh, Leslie Headland is talking about. And I think there is a possibility that the, uh, the publishing sign really knows, like, here are the ramifications of the end of phase three. Here's why the Jedi kind of head in the direction they do. Mm-hmm. And that Leslie Headland will be playing with that knowledge of mm-hmm. here's how the, the fight with the Nile resolves. Mm-hmm. And here's how it emotionally affected the Jedi or changed the order. I, I think that's about it. That, that's what I'm reading. And then this is its own, own story. I yeah. think the High Republic thing, which I'm thrilled by, is distracting for me uh, from the most exciting thing about this, which is also the most basic, that it is being described as a mystery thriller. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. So many of us Star Wars fans have been pining for them to explain, mm-hmm. explore different genres, right? Mm-hmm. Think about what a mystery thriller means. That means with characters that we have never met before in an era that is open to anything can happen pretty much except for Yoda can't die. (laughs) The Sith can't be stopped. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's a mystery thriller where we, the audience truly don't know the answers and we're watching week to week and there are true questions like who, who did uh, this crime or who can be trusted or has a Jedi fallen to the dark side? And we truly don't know the answers. And we get to discuss every week like a mystery. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an entirely different and engrossing vibe uh, for Star Wars. And that reflects the, the, the one of the reasons the, the High Republic has been successful mm-hmm. is that we can fall in love with characters and they can die. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we haven't had that in a TV show as much for a long time. And I think that's going to be the big wow of this show. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah no, I, I agree with you there. I, 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 I have to be honest. I like, I find myself overly protective of this show already. I don't know why I'm just so excited <laughs> for it in some, in so many different ways. Um, so I, I just already seen some, Oh, I, I think Darth Plagueis is going to be the big villain at the end of this. Uh, this is, a, you know, the end of the high Republic, Mark on row, young Palpatine, maybe, could be we don't know i just i have that maybe it's that force center <laughs> mantra speculate responsibly i just i just based on really just that one conversation i had a lot of little conversation but one conversation where my pal was so excited to see the high republic end on the acolyte and i was like Dad, just just be careful I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think what the Acolyte is going to be about is whoever the Acolyte is, <laughs> which we don't know yet. And it sounds like from what she said that it's going to be a mystery thriller. It's going to be, a, a, you know, galaxy hopping from planet to planet. And it's going to, you know, uh, experiment with uh, metal around in with the dark side. Yeah. Uh, and whoever the Acolyte is and whatever that character is an Acolyte of. And I can't wait to find those things out. There you go. We'll we'll whip up that thumbnail. The acolyte is the acolyte here. Of course. <laughs> uh, final question of this half of the show. Uh, this was a 
big reveal. Like I said, it started to float around on the internet. You know, rumors come from wherever, and sometimes you believe them, sometimes they're spot on, sometimes they are just what they are. But this is a confirmation of some of the talk, and it was exciting. The John Watts-led series, currently with a production codename Grammar Rodeo, which is a Simpsons reference, I can respect that, was revealed. Chris Ford would be one of the writers. Uh, They're coming over from the Spider-Man world in the MCU. Uh, It'll be in the post-Return of the Jedi era with a 80s Amblin-like coming-of-age vibe that looks to be centered based on on casting calls around kids 11 to 12. I'm calling this a four center exciting uh, Jennifer <laughs> thoughts on John Watts and a coming of age story post Return of the Jedi. Oh, this is what I've been waiting for. Those movies, <laughs> Goonies, Stand By Me, E.T., those movies shaped our generation. So I am thrilled that we are going to get a Star Wars version of that and then I'll get to share it with my kids. Um, I think it's a genius idea. I think it's going to hook a, a younger audience um, who may not be diehard fans yet. Um, and I think that that's really, really smart. And if you cast them at 11, you know, look at the Stranger what, stranger Things kids, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can have all sorts of possibilities. They can <laughs> you keep got working a series, kid. You got you five got seasons. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. So I, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. And, and, and Jennifer, you're not alone. I think for a long time we've been hearing this younger, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes it was, a, you know, a Harry Potter Jedi school type of idea. What, all that mm. saying is coming of age right. uh, for a new era, Joseph, right? Am I off base on that? That, that? that was a big call for just, yeah, let's let's grow up with some other characters. Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes a ton of sense. These creators make sense. John Watts and, and Chris Ford, you know, who uh, worked on Spider-Man Homecoming. And then, of course, John Watts doing all the Spider-Man movies, which are very much about not just Spider-Man, but also his other friends. How do they take their uh, first steps into a, a larger world kind of thing? I think Star Wars has always done this where it's had, you know, the a youth character or two. But mm-hmm. usually it's kind of centered on one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you watch Rebels and, and you can relate to all the characters, but it's initially really centered around Ezra, right? He's the mm-hmm. perspective character. Um, Luke is the perspective character. Anakin is the perspective character. So to take that and go, we're going to have four or five or six or however many of these kids, and it's going to be a little bit more of that, like, <laughs> breakfast club. Which one are you? Are you all of them? <laughs> Which one were you? You know, uh, that kind of vibe. And you can uh, identify with all of them. Yeah, is really interesting and different to me. I really like the era that it's set in uh, after Return of the Jedi because it makes sense for for kids coming of age and even their parents to be okay. Like, what is this new galaxy? Is mm-hmm. it safe? Is it dangerous? Where? What's going on? And I think the big question for me uh, uh, that I want to know about this is kind of what is the threat? What is the external conflict? You know, like what. It, you know, I get that it's probably kids, you know, stealing something and, and going out on a dangerous run they shouldn't and then having to encounter the world. But like, are they going to see a dead body? Yeah. <laughs> are they going to go see uh, the the, uh, the Coruscant? Right. <laughs> Did they hear about a cool Sith temple? Like, what's the conflict? Where are they going? Mm. <laughs> kind of like that. Oh, that's a, the hidden Sith temple. It's not just a, a fun game show idea. I uh, love that. Yeah, I think this is a great idea. Like I said, this is there's been a thirst for this kind of uh, Star Wars story for a while. And you're right, Joseph. It just it's not just one kid. It's it's almost like the kids and maybe the do- adults will be having the want 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 kind of voices in here. It's all about their experience. And I'm with you too. I really love this proposed era for the show because it's a lot of change, reestablishment. A lot of that kind of big stuff is going on in the galaxy. So it's a good way to look at it through the eyes of the generation coming up. Whereas like Ezra, 
uh, was a good uh, perspective at, uh, on the rebellion at that time, but also the bigger force questions and 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 why we do things and why we help and uh, destiny choices and those things. So this uh, this could be a little different. I'm not, I'm not saying that one of these kids or all of these kids couldn't have a little touch of the force. I would kind of expect that, but yep. to me, this isn't uh, uh, Luke's new Jedi school day one, right? This is something else. Right. I'm kind of hoping for just one of the one or two of the kids to be force sensitive and just not know what the hell that's about. Right. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the, the powers manifesting <laughs> at that age, it has some obvious metaphors that yeah. you can play with yeah. that are really interesting. And, and it's a great way to look at the galaxy of like, yeah, no, this information has been wiped out. People don't know what that's about. Yeah. 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 Exciting I times. hope that they, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for Jen, please. No, I, I hope that, the, uh, you know, with these kids, I'm assuming there's like maybe four kids. I hope that one of them is like a Twi'lek or, you know, mm. so it's not just all like human looking kids. <laughs> like, yeah. A Rodian kid, come on, any, anything, you know. That's what yeah. makes it Star Wars. Yeah, I want to, yeah, I want I want the bad boy to be a Rodian, a cool <laughs> kid who's pushing the edge. Right. Uh, hey, tell you what, I want, I'll, I'll, I want a, I want a young Gungan. That's what I want. Oh. There you go. There you go. Wow. There you go. Uh, so that is our look. And yes, are there other things in this article we're going to talk about? Yes, some uh, stretched on out to the Kathleen Kennedy interview. Some were just kind of leaving on the table. It was a big article, but we can't be talking all day. So we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, Joseph, we have a Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Yeah, you know, I've been, uh, I read it recently. I've been talking about it. And so I figured, why not? Let's recommend Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. I love that idea. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break, and then uh, we will come back to talk about Anthony Brezikin sitting down with Kathleen Kennedy one-on-one. Stick around for more Force Center. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. 
Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Force Center. We are digging deep into the Vanity Fair articles, uh, at least two of them. By now, there's probably nine, but that's okay. More <laughs> yeah. Star Wars to digest. So this big first article drops, a lot of hubbub, a lot of discussion around some of the uh, Kathleen Kennedy quotes. Dare I say incendiary? I don't I don't think that's fair to the quotes, uh, but maybe, maybe that's uh, the result. But so the day after, a day after the big article, Variety dropped a one-on-one interview from March, which is interesting, uh, we should note that time from March with Kathleen Kennedy and Anthony Bresnikan. So, uh, though both articles had revelations and insights on the movie side of things, this interview had eh, more to offer on the film side. So, we're going to talk about those here. So, here are some of those revelations. Kennedy said the film side will be more about persistent storytelling as opposed to trilogies. She hesitated to use that word. That use that word trilogy uh, anymore regarding these projects um, and that they have a quote roadmap on the film side. So how do we interpret that? Uh, what do we like about that? What gives us pause? Uh, Jennifer, uh, you like this roadmap idea and persistent storytelling. I really like this idea. I think it's what, what fans have been wanting it to be cohesive and this is it. You know, people have come, Paired Star Wars to Marvel. How can we be more like Marvel? Um, you know, she said in Star Wars, all these things need to be connected. Um, and I thought that, you know, it's not just about the films, it's connecting it to the series. And I'm sure there's going to be animated series too. So I like that it takes the pressure off of having it to be a trilogy because not every movie needs to be made into three. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Not yeah, every so. story needs to be a trilogy. It can just be one, <laughs> one yeah. standalone. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that they're heading in the right direction for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that. They're not. I'll say, you know, I, I you know, any pause I have is uh, I, I agree and acknowledge what you're saying, Jen, about uh, there has been a call for, quote, a plan. I just don't want fans to be think this is some down to the beat, uh, every moment planned out plan. This seems like a right. roadmap. The guidelines are spine. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, it's just, I think I just get overprotective and just want to be, just be open, just be open to it. Just uh, see where it takes you versus some kind of ca- super connective, um, uh, you know, checklist of ideas here. But I, I get what you're saying. Yes. I agree with that, Jen. That's, that's kind of what people um, are looking forward to. And they get a chance to do that moving past uh, the, uh, Skywalker saga, if you will, which is discussed in the article. So, uh, Joseph, I'll pitch it over to you here. Um, what, you, what, what do you think about this roadmap here? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I read Persistent as we want to have the film structured a little bit more like uh, uh, MCU or even the current DC, which is, you know, willing to kind of keep a continuity going, but also shift things around uh, as needed, not within continuity, but like, where's the focus? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that there's a part of me that wishes like, yeah, I wish they just announced an Old Republic trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think I need to accept that times change and things evolve. And that's not the world that we're living in. I think that what is meant by persistent storytelling is the uh, everything is connected, sometimes really intimately, sometimes loosely. We'll get into a little bit more what that spine could be. But I think also from a business side, it's really like, hey, if uh, Taika's film is a hit, maybe we'll make a sequel to that and it will evolve into a Mm. trilogy. But we're not promising a trilogy. And I think it's also like if if we uh, introduce uh, uh, characters or an era or a world that they can kind of manage expectations a little bit more that like every Star Wars film should be successful, but maybe they can set the terms of success of like, we expect the Taika's one to be a big, huge blockbuster. And now we have this smaller film that we didn't spend as much money on and expect smaller numbers. That's what made Marvel successful is they expected the Avengers to be a blockbuster. And then people were pleasantly surprised when Ant-Man did a decent little amount of money. Nobody Mm. expected Ant-Man to be the Avengers. Right. And I just think business-wise, they know that's where they need to get to. We're like, some of them, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, point the bat <laughs> yeah. to that. The ball is going to go out, out of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other times you're going to be like, we, we meant this to be a double. We yeah. meant it to do that amount of money and right. have people not go Star Wars is dead if it makes Ant-Man money. Right. Right. No, well said. Well said. And yeah, I think you both are, are, are hitting, the, hitting the nail on the head on, on what a roadmap might actually mean. The evolving nature of it is important to me. Um, so, yeah, a trilogy could emerge. More storytelling could emerge, uh, keeping to that spirit of why not, which we'll discuss here in a bit. Um, Taika Waititi's film will be out of the gates first. This is, uh, dare I say, breaking news in a way, or at least mm-hmm. confirms some things. It, uh, she says uh, it, it, the reason it's out of the gates first is it fits more into this roadmap, while Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron is officially pushed off to the side while Jenkins continues to work out the script. Kathleen mentioned that they want that film to connect to this central spine they're working on. So that that was that's a lot of information, uh, Joseph. That's a lot of information uh, uh, confirming talk, rumors, stories, and uh, just kind of giving a, a bigger picture on what's going on. Massive, massive confirmation. Uh, we've had lots of rumors and lots of reporting, but that is massive confirmation that the script is still being worked on, that a part of what the question is is how much is it a one-off film which is, versus how much does it relate to the larger spine uh, that they're building. And it also says a lot about when we might expect a, a, another Star Wars film, right? Mm-hmm. Um and maybe not December. Who knows that, you know, it, it's a huge amount of news to say like, yeah, the Rogue Squadron is not coming out when we thought it was. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that just kind of business news. And then for me, that talking about the central spine, that's huge news because mm-hmm. I think there was a world where it was, okay, well, um, the the film uh, side is going to be like Disney Plus. We're just going to be like, we're going to do this one. We're going to do that one. And, you know, we'll try to make them bigger. Uh, but I like the idea of a spine because I think the movie slate should be differentiated from the Disney Plus slate. Mm-hmm. The idea that they're even a little bit connected in any way, it makes it uh, kind of a reason for them to be in the theaters, in my opinion. Um, mm, yeah, and I like think what, when, when they say central spine, the way, the way I interpret that is it could be anything from they've picked out a corner of the timeline or 
a corner of the galaxy, or maybe there's a new family line that is running in the background, or even there's some sort of, you know, mystical object to lightly interlock the movies. The spine could be anything to make mm-hmm. it feel like it's its own thing. And I can't wait to kind of find out what that spine is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially as it relates to, to Rogue Squadron, which kind of had this, uh, you know, weird, uh, not, not a, saying weird in a negative way, but just like weird off in the corner. It's in the future. It's a bunch of pilots. Who are they fighting? No, we were going to find out, but it just, it always kind of stood out to me as where does that fit? Where does that fit into everything? Yeah. So I agree with you on this t- take on the central spine. And, I, and I'm and i still rooting for Jenkins to find a way to tell her personal story. I, I was moved by her her video on, on that Investor Day a couple of years ago now, right? Um, yeah. I really uh, got behind her on that. Other things have popped up, uh, you know, Wonder Woman 84, all these kind of things. A lot of conversation around her as a filmmaker, around her as a screenwriter. At the end of the day, I as a fan was moved by that, and I hope she gets to, a chance to find a, a way to tell that story while being uh, in the uh, central spine of Star Wars there going forward. Uh, Jen, uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, I think that what she wants to do is replicate what they what Dave Filoni and John Favreau have done with with the Mandoverse. And they've really and, and Deborah Chow, uh, they've really well, she's not part of the Mandoverse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the this the series is what I'm saying, in that it feels very cohesive. It feels very intentional. It feels uh planned in the best way. And I think that they're trying to do that with the films. And like you said, Joseph, it's kind of it's gonna be different it's going to be its own thing um but yeah it's like she's bringing all these different filmmakers together and writers and such and it's like okay what is our plan how are we going to execute this uh, because there's just so much pressure and you know people people can be really harsh and yeah. the box office can be really harsh and so they mm. want to get it right mm. yeah they want to be able to be responsive i think maybe that's mm-hmm. like the mm. biggest thing is they want to be able to be responsive to what really lands and what maybe doesn't as much right exactly absolutely she said that nothing was on the horizon for a feige led star wars film at the time of this interview because i saw a lot of people confused some people even upset at that uh but yes this interview was again conducted in march and since then michael waldron has uh, said yeah we're working on it so uh we won't go into that but at the time she says nothing was on the horizon for feige led star wars and ryan uh, johnson's trilogy is still technically in development um and ryan comes into or is involved in some talks about the big picture as she hinted at that but but she said ryan is too busy to commit to these and 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 that's under we get it knives out is netflix deal she highlighted that as well but kennedy the most interesting thing out of this uh, joseph jennifer to me was kennedy spoke of wanting creators on the film side that will commit long term like favreau and Filoni have on the tv side and and, and others as well to, to be clear so does this make sense because you you this thing about evolving uh, joseph you're talking about or hey maybe the trilogies emerge um backs this up actually for what Kennedy's saying of that Taika's not maybe just swinging in for one film. She talks about, you can't just do that. You can't just come in for a year, shoot a film. This is a three to five year commitment in a lot of ways. And that could just be for one project. Of course, the film could take that long, but I I like this. uh, I like this kind of talk. So any ideas, any thoughts on what this uh, really means to the film side, Joseph? Yeah. I mean, I think that it speaks to, um, you know, whether, however you feel about the sequel trilogy, I think Kathleen Kennedy as a producer is acknowledging that there is a narrative and an opinion by some fans that the sequel trilogy was unplanned. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that the sequel trilogy holds together uh, really well, but that's my opinion (laughs) Uh, about the films. And I think acknowledging that that is a narrative out there and an opinion out there is something that it feels like Kathleen Kennedy, like a good producer, is trying to get ahead of and saying, yeah, we do. We need somebody to who, who really 
cares, who's just not, not just knocking one out and then running off to do their next thing, but is like invested of like, if Taika Waititi introduces a new timeline or a new, you know, section of the galaxy and then is like really personally invested in like, yeah, no, I have an idea for a sequel or I, this one other character might pop up in somebody's next movie and I want to be a part of that too. That all just really makes sense to me for the way that storytelling is evolving right now. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Jennifer? Yeah, I mean, F- Favreau is a very, very busy filmmaker and the fact that she said, she's like, it was it was fantastic. That this was his only project. Star Wars was his only project that he really just dived into and that's, that's what you need. I mean, J.J. Abrams is a very, very busy filmmaker as well and I'm sure he had a lot of other things going on uh, when he did The Force Awakens, right? Even though that was, I'm sure, a primary, primary focus. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like you... These are these are these epic tales and you you got to go all in um, and not just with your film, but how it's going to relate to somebody else's film and collaborate with them. And so it's just yeah, it's 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 definitely it's a new era and she's she's learning lessons. I'm sure I love the sequel trilogy, but Joseph, I, I, I you're you're right. The criticism around it is that it, some people didn't believe that it kind of was planned or didn't fit all well together. But yeah. I including the writer of this article. Anyways, um, <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, no, and, and it isn't, uh, it, it, it's an interesting subject because, you know, JJ comes in, and he gives his heart to two films without a doubt, but he's also yeah. looking for shopping for that big deal. Remember that was going around. Oh, uh, yeah. Dan and Dave, uh, you, know, you know, they come in and, and leave and they, you know, the Netflix deal was happening uh, and, and, and there was those thoughts that, that maybe that upset Disney and not that these creators can't work on multiple projects. I mean, I think I've launched, thir- launched 35 podcasts this week alone. It, it's, it's possible <laughs> you could do it, but I, I think the spirit of what she's saying um, it, it just uh, is, is important to connect with here. What she's saying, just like this, you, you're not just doing another film, you're doing star Wars and the fans want to know that we want to know that. And I think everyone generally is, brought their hearts to the table uh, certainly ryan has um yeah. but then his career changed and his uh, his direct trajectory changed and so other opportunities um emerge i don't think knives out knives out was con- tr- conceived as a trilogy or a series oh but hey it worked mm-hmm. and now we're gonna do this so right. he goes that way and, and star wars uh, is, is obviously something bigger you know yeah. Yeah. And to me, it makes really a lot of sense. And I think that Lucasfilm should be given a lot of credit for saying, OK, it's a new era and we're going to yeah. reach out to lots of different creators. And then in that process, discovering like, oh, um, we have opinions about what Star Wars is. And sometimes we butt heads with creators. Uh, so we need to look at it in a different way. And it almost feels to me is a little jokey, but it almost feels like the the original era was like, let's date around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then realize like, Ooh, that doesn't work. We are looking for a long-term <laughs> commitment. <laughs> we want to go steady. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Well, we, then we get to what I, I feel is actually my favorite part of the interview is uh, some of the most interesting stuff here. And we're going to get to the big solo stuff soon. Don't you worry all about there. Uh, but Kennedy talked about the tenets and DNA of Star Wars a lot. At one point discussing how they drive the storytelling through the lens of the filmmakers. And Lucasfilm puts guardrails around the projects built on the fundamental values found in George's mythology. This includes the deeper meanings around Self, selfishness, selflessness, and the overall mythology, again, that George created. That seems like uh, something we would support here at Force Center, but if so, why? What appeals to us about that? And do we want to see those guardrails pushed out a little bit, Jen? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, this this is this is the spine of yeah. of Star Wars, right, is is to have these, these themes, these values. It is what 
creates, makes it magical that it's not just awesome costumes and flashy effects, right? It's also that there's so many great messages. I mean, that like we're talking about with Andor, that you can comment on what is happening in our world and kind of, you know, it's a it's a happier pill to swallow, right? Mm-hmm. It's an easier pill to swallow um, when you're getting the message with cool lightsabers. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, 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 yeah. yes. It, I, yeah. I don't think it can ever lose those those values and, you know, those themes. It's really important to me because I I think you can in a way break star Wars. If, if you um, fudge some of the lessons and fudge some of the intentions. And and, and sometimes I find us repeating, Hey, this story is about X or this story is about Y. And it's only like a handful of themes. Um, There's obviously a lot more and there's obviously a lot more to take out of every story, but I just kind of, as a fan want, it, I need Star Wars to kind of hit those big notes. And mm-hmm. they talked about this in this article about the, you know, hey, I heard, the, you know, rumors Ray might have been a Kenobi and and how even Kathleen Kennedy was like, well, that would have meant that Kenobi had a, a kid, which again, it, maybe that's not a problem, uh, you know, and by the way that, you know, we're looking at you, Corky, on Mandalore. Like, you know, there's been some questions around that too in the fandom. Um, but that they, they would undo some of the stuff some of the beliefs, some of the Jedi things, or we'd have to analyze just why. Why would we do that? It's not just a plot point. It's not a, a, a checklist. Why? And, and I, I really love that idea, Joseph, of, of, that, that, there, that this is what her and, and story group or anyone else around there, some of the responsibilities is keeping those guardrails on. So do I want them pushed out? I'm always good with something being pushed out, but I also want the, the track to be uh, strong and steady, you know? Yeah, I love the guardrails. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. That's my big takeaway. I feel like the guardrails is almost going to become a a catchphrase uh, here on Force Center because we get so many questions where people are like, "Are you nervous they're going to mishandle this? Are you nervous they're going to mishandle that?" Which is all you know. Love taking those questions and really understand where they're coming from. But I think that's the thing for me is that there might be individual episodes or beats or characters that I like more or less, but I feel like in this whole era, the guardrails have been there. And I think some of the the times where um, it's been a little bit messy from a publicity uh, standpoint where Lucasfilm has parted ways with the creator, but I think it's because of the guardrails, because I think it's a, mm. they invited a creator into play and the creator came in and totally legitimately said, I want to do this. And they really said that, breaks the guardrail mm-hmm. you know that that's my opinion about the Tra- trevaro script for episode nine yep. that um particularly that late that later draft of how ray used anger to resolve the problem and that was portrayed as balance that's a guardrail breaker for me mm-hmm. um and i've been really enjoying this era because i think they're trying to really experiment while respecting those guardrails. I also like guardrails as a term because you can bounce into them. You can lean over them. You just can't smash through them. And I think, um, I think if Star Wars is about hope, we are seeing that being pushed, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, if it's about hope, ultimately how much fear, pain, nihilism, darkness do we go through to get to the hope? And I hear that coming with Obi-Wan, with Andor, uh, with the acolyte that's about the dark side, allegedly. And I think, uh, final thought for me on, on this one is, I do think that Star Wars needs to evolve and needs to change. Um, but I think there's a lot of room to just experiment with uh, different genres. You know, how do, how do we filter this story of hope and family into a horror movie, yeah. <laughs> into a rom-com? Uh, how do we play with mood? How, we, how do we play with structure? There's tons to experiment while also uh, respecting the guardrails. 
agree with that there. Well said. Well said. A couple more questions left here, and I don't want. I know we don't want to spend uh, all day here, especially with you, Jen. Here, so I want. I want to get to some of them here. The spirit of why not still exists without a doubt, and it's kind of what you're talking about, Joseph. Let's look over the guardrails. We're not. We're not get. We'll jump over them, but let's look what's down on what's down there. Um, we already know that Kathleen Kennedy arranged a play date with Favreau and Filoni prior to developing the Mandalorian. They discussed that in the interview here. I uh, love that term play date. But uh, Filoni admitted to initially fighting the idea of Grogu, wanting to protect the mystery of Yoda and his origins, which was kind of like, hey, uh, you know, George helped keep that a mystery. Um, we know what ha- ends up happening. What, what are your thoughts on this information that there was, as Ka- Kathleen said, like there was some caution, not debate. But just some ferocious caution thrown around around this idea here, uh, Jed. I'll start with you on the Grogu of it all. Oh my gosh, I I love it. And you know, Star Wars is about taking risks, whether it's in tech or or story. Yoda was a risk, as we've talked about before. Um, and so here again, Baby Yoda, Grogu is a risk um, because Yoda feels so sacred. I can see why they would be very cautious about creating another mm-hmm. character. People who are cynical might say, "Oh, they just created a cute." cuter, dare I say, cuter Yoda, right? For marketing. Um, But they really thought about it. They weighed the pros and the cons. And in the end, Grogu won. Thank goodness for all of us, not just for the story, but for the toys. That is very important. (laughs) Yeah. I say this with a spirit of fun. Glad Filoni was wrong here. Glad he <laughs> right. was wrong. And he had a hand in, you know, some of his early sketches, to be clear. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I would have been, and, and I'll be, I admit, I, I think I would have been on Filoni's side of this cautious debate. I would have been like, no, yeah. we don't know anything. But uh, this is the case of the guardrails in place, but uh, creativity being uh, allowed to, uh, you know, kind of push those guardrails, explore how to fill the space between them. Joseph, uh, your thoughts, uh, and who did you uh, want to win in this debate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody won right that's, that's the whole right. that's the whole point and i did <laughs> right. i honest i i really liked the um the interview uh one-on-one between uh anthony bresnikin and kathleen kennedy because it showed it was a conversation mm-hmm. and i liked uh, her pushback of not against cautious <laughs> cautious right. yes. uh, and i think this is exactly what it should be this is the exact kind of thing that should be discussed because if you just stop at the uh, you know, Favreau saying, I want it to be a baby Yoda and Floney going, we don't touch Yodas. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it becomes this simple for or against uh, argument. And that's clearly not what it was. It was Filoni saying, how do we do this? Because what I'm concerned about is the mystery of Yoda is a part of his charm. And then clearly if uh, Favreau's able to come in and go like, no, 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 no. I don't want to like go to his home planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not what I'm interested in. And I think that that detail of how does it work? you know why is it exciting or why is it scary and getting down to the heart of it and the detail of it this is a perfect example of the the nuance won the day and now that we've even come around full circle where not only have they preserved the mystery of yoda's species but grogu is even framing how we see yoda a little bit right with luke's great line of you know that's how he spoke in riddles like now grogu is even helping us you know see yoda in 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 new in fun ways you know so I, i think it's absolutely great absolutely great i love that little part of it there all right the big section here here we go obviously the big hubbub was was around the part of the interview about legacy characters recastings and the solo of it all uh just quickly here overall thoughts on this part of the interview uh joseph um i really think that uh i think this is it's important not to be just a team a or b Mm -hmm. uh i think people often have fights with uh, about kathleen kennedy of like obviously there's some vitriol Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i think it's always okay to respect someone and, and disagree with someone and i think that um for me, I I understand some of what she is wrestling with. 
Um, but I'm not entirely sure that I agree. I think it is a little bit for me, a little bit more case by case basis of mm-hmm. how you handle recasting and legacy characters. Uh, that's my big picture thought. Um, yeah. it, I will say out of all the vitriol on social media, it was nice to just see a lot of people saying nice things about old Aaron Reich and Solo because that <laughs> yeah. sometimes doesn't happen. So that was at least nice. Yes, it was. It was indeed. I agree with you there. Uh, it's not about a yes or no, uh, A or B indeed. It, this was clearly, especially when the interview came out, a, a conversation, a conversation. Uh, Jen, uh, quickly, uh, your thoughts here, then we'll get into the big uh, big uh, debate in it. Yeah, I just gave her a lot of, of leeway with that comment i think that again you know people took it a little bit more more black and white um i i think i understand what she was saying which i'll i'll explain in a minute <laughs> yeah well yeah so kennedy seemed to express some real excitement along with larry Kasdan to explore a character like solo again it was one of the first projects out of the out of the gates there but uh, called the movie a learning experience and 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 said that maybe she should have recognized that it wasn't the right move to revisit a legacy character without the dna of the character in place it's me kind of putting it all together there of course generally that was interpreted it as recasting uh, in the conversations online and only using deep fake type type tech to use uh, to use these characters. Do we agree that take? Because I'll just say I don't necessarily think that's what was intended. And do we agree with her or at least understand a little bit where she's coming from here, Jen? I understand her because I thought Alden Ehrenreich was amazing as Han. But I think the lesson learned is that they looked the story takes place 10 years before a new hope right around solo that's when it takes place mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, they look yeah. too similar in age for the recasting to work if you had cast mm-hmm. han solo as a 13 year old you know what i mean i think that that would have been a bad people would have accepted this young quote unquote young han easier i think alden ehrenreich supposedly playing a 19 year old looked too close in age to the 29 year old harrison mm-hmm. ford in a new hope that people are just going to draw those comparisons. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that with somebody like Harrison Ford, who is still alive, who is still acting, who still has that that Han Solo swagger, naturally, I just think that you you don't want to mess with that. I think it'd be Mm. really hard to cast a young Luke Skywalker, unless it's a really young Luke Skywalker, like we see in Kenobi. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I think that, I think that they're just going to be a little bit more cautious. And with time, who knows what, what might happen? Maybe we'll get a new Luke. Who knows? I just think that they're also thinking about moving in a different direction and building on from the Skywalker saga, as as she mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of that there. I'll, I'll, I'll let you close the section out here, Joseph. I'll just say this. Uh, I, 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 like I said, I don't think it was just simply about recasting to deepfakes. Um, mm-hmm. But I have mm-hmm. to be honest, uh, you know, on what she was trying to say, at least the feeling she was expressing, what I have to, I'm choosing to focus on here. Because, yeah, Solo Solo was one of those hills I'm prepared to die on, the movie. You know, and by the <laughs> I way, I, I, none, none of you out there should die on Pop Culture Hill. Sorry, just, the, the, but uh, as a joke, I mean, it's I've gotten in the most bar fights about it. I think I've affected <laughs> friendships with my takes on it. I love this film. Um, um, but I have to be honest with myself about this movie and the reactions, because I think what Kennedy was kind of saying here is, yeah, oh my gosh, we got Lawrence Kasdan, the guy who helped build uh, Solo to New Heights and Empire, and let's redo this, and, 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 and Alden's great, all those kind of things. But for every one of me, there's five people who are like, eh, I didn't see it, or I hated that. I, that's what I run into still, even though there's a mm-hmm. growing love of Solo, and I hope it continues to grow, and I'm going to be part of that movement to continue to um, grow the love of Solo and the purpose of that movie and Infus Nest and all these things. So much there in that movie. We love care. I, I could go on and on and on, but I just have to be honest. And I think she's just a little being being honest here. Like, I, I man, that was a tough sell, not just about box office. I think it was a thing about the TV show. Yeah, I, I hear people want it as a TV show. I think we, we might have run into the same 
thing, at least mm-hmm. around Han Solo. We, we, I kind of like that if it had been six parts, you would have got a little bit more of the story, more Kira, more Infus, more Val, more Beckett. I think be, she's not talking about that. She's talking about, I think people still would have pointed at the screen and said, ah, that's not Harrison Ford. I just, that's right. my interpretation, Joseph, of a lot of what was going on here. And I just had to be honest, she's not wrong about some of those reactions. Yep. Oh yeah. No, I think that she is being a great producer in that she is acknowledging that the film Solo uh, did not have the success that they wanted and mm-hmm. that a factor of that is um, people's reaction to recasting Han Solo, as Jennifer was saying, so close in age to Harrison Ford. Um, I think that I think that as a producer, it's much better for her to say, hey, hey, here's what I tried to learn. Here's what we were all thinking about. I really love the clarity because I, I think it gets lost in the conversation about Solo that it's easy to be cynical and say this was a cash grab or it was fear-based because they just want to do legacy characters and we're so afraid to move away from legacy characters. I really like that she recommitted like the second we were deciding what what we were going to do, Lawrence Kasdan wanted to yeah. do this yeah. because it sounded fun because of all the things you've ever wanted to see, wouldn't you want to see a movie that's just focused on young Han Solo? That's so exciting. She talks about recapturing a feeling. And I think for me, the film did that. I'm not bothered by Alden's, uh, uh, the this difference in, oh. you know, physical appearance or voice. I'm not. It's about the spirit of it. And for me, I think I have this weird <laughs> agree, disagree where I'm like, but you did it, Kathleen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. me, and you were saying this too, Ken, for me, Lawrence Kasdan, uh, John Kasdan, Kathleen Kennedy, Alden Ehrenreich, you had knocked it out of the park. You di- I, I came home, uh, you know, wanting to jump on my bike and pretend it was the Millennium Falcon. They did it. Yeah. It worked for me. But I also, so I think I find myself disagreeing a little bit because mm-hmm. it worked for me. But I also think that she is a good uh, producer in acknowledging that it didn't work for a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. My other thing that I want to say very quickly about this is that uh, well, well, certainly the recasting was an obstacle. I think that the release of the film, when it was released, mm-hmm. the amount of hype that it got is a bigger problem. And there's always going to be people who didn't like the recasting, but we might not be having the same conversation if they had released it in December yep. of 2018. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. And hey, look, I had an experience recently. I was on a, another network doing a show about Solo, and I gave one of those four-center monologues about why the, the him getting the name was an important scene and all the deep themes. And then the producer of the show, after hearing my four-minute rant, went, yeah, that nah, sucks. And what are you going to do? I'm still going to say those things. I'm still going to have those monologues, but I think the ad sucks is what Kathleen was uh, feeling and and at least talking about. Um, But yeah, I agree to just some agree to disagree because we love it here. So any final thoughts on that or uh, before we uh, close this out here today, Uh, Jennifer? No, I I love it. I just, I makes me even more confident about, about this new, this new, I say new era Cause I mean, it's not really a new era, but it kind of feels like a new era. And I like that. She's just being, she's being honest and she's being transparent with their thoughts. And, and I really appreciate that. And not everyone may agree with her decisions, but I'm so impressed. I think she's doing a phenomenal job steering this ship. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that uh, final thought on the whole solo and recasting thing is, yeah, I don't think she's saying anything black and white. I don't think she's saying we will never recast again. Uh, We are always doing uh, deep fakes. I think she is saying, we realize that we have to handle them with a ton of caution and mm-hmm. take it, it, it with a case by case basis, right? She's obviously not saying 
It, and and it was a mistake to cast 10-year-old Luke Skywalker yeah, in nice. Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's obviously not what she's saying. So I think there is still a lot of uh, room and nuance um, in this and uh, questions that will come to be answered about what this means for the Lando series. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Final thing here, Kathleen Bamone, the making of these big films and shows, uh, say that they lack some of the fun she used to have back in the day with Lucas and Spielberg in that era. Uh, but that drove home the fact that she wants to preserve that feeling of spontaneity and a good time while making all of these things. So I saw that as uh, uh, between darkness and light, there is hope. She was admitting she's just not fun anymore, but I need to fight for that and preserve that fun, is how I took that. Uh, am I off base there, uh, Jennifer? No, I think it is a sad state of the of the film industries specifically. Mm-hmm. I, I see John and Dave on the Mandalorian set, and they sure look like they're having a lot of fun. Robert yeah. Rodriguez looked like he was having a great time on Book of Boba Fett, right? So it still is there, but behind the scenes, it is it's, and as always has been about money. But there is definitely more about marketing with social media and hiring influencers that feels a little bit more calculated, I guess, mm-hmm. in more recent years. But that's a that's a topic for another day. Another <laughs> day, indeed. Joseph, what do you think about uh, Kathleen wanting to have some fun still? Uh, in some ways, that was the biggest impact of uh, both the articles, because I believe the main Vanity Fair article ended on this quote. And I just I really felt that of like, this is where all this genre stuff that we love, this pop culture stuff we love came from of, you know, people like Lucas and Spielberg and endless other creators and, and the creators are inspired by going like, I've got a big, fun, wild, weird idea. I'm going to throw it up there. And there was always financial risk. Uh, but I think now we're in this place where. Um, you know, it, it's so great to love Star Wars. This whole entire podcast or community is about loving Star Wars. But I think about the lesson of Star Wars of like, I want to love it, <laughs> yeah. uh, it without ever having that love, uh, like Anakin's love for Padme curdle into anger and possession. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that for me is the big thing that I take away of like, uh, is a fan, I think I have a responsibility if I don't like something to express it in a in a calm way or vote with my dollars uh, so that creators feel a little bit more safety to explore and play and find joy. Cause then we'll feel that in the stories. If the creators are feeling that. Absolutely. Yes. Well mm-hmm. said. Good way to take us home there, Joseph. Uh, any other final thoughts, anything I left on the table? Uh, we didn't go into the VR, the, the star Wars metaverse that she's talking yes. about a lot of other things here. Oh Jen. my gosh. The ability to live in star part of star Wars all yeah. the time. Sign me up. Yeah. Side me up, side me up, Joseph. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, the the only other thing that I wanted to remark upon again is I loved how much all the actors uh, talked about their kids. Uh, go back to the beginning when uh, Diego Luna was talking about secrecy. <laughs> and he had the quote, I have kids, man. It's painful for them and for me. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why Tony Gilroy in this most recent article told a lot uh, yeah, so that you. Diego Luna can share it with his kids. Love that. Love that. We are out of here. Big news discussion today. Yeah, more interviews dropping. Uh, Gizmodo had an interview with Deborah Chow, kind of talking about the uh, Kenobi, learning about Anakin and all that kind of stuff. So so that stuff's out there too. But we are uh, we wanted to focus on these two big stories today as we head into Star Wars Celebration. All right, that's uh, uh, it for today. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Hey, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We like that. Merch available but tpublic.com slash user slash force center and patreon.com slash force center is where you can support us. You can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kenapsock.com for information, upcoming comedy shows and other things uh, this week to highlight for charities. I want to go back to something I've highlighted before only because uh, my friend, Jeff Saunders is a force center listener. Um, 
is uh, heading out. He's actually taking a road trip. And he's going to Star Wars Celebration, his first celebration. He's been waiting. He had tickets two years ago. And to do so, he has to take time off from his job, which is uh, he's a nurse at a uh, children's cancer hospital. So he has to leave the important work to go uh, take a moment for himself, which he earns and is, uh, you know, it's well-deserved. But uh, while he's gone, I want to highlight stbaldricks.org, where you can help conquer kids' cancers by going to stbaldricks.org and the St. Baldricks Foundation and choose to support if you want. they got a lot of cool events. Uh, He's always part of some uh, head-shaving charity drives. I'm going to try to get involved with one of those uh, at his location in uh, 2023. So uh, that is my choice there. Uh, Jennifer, what about you? You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Jennifer Landa and TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. Um, I just want to say that if you're going to celebration this week, have a wonderful time. Stay safe. I hope to see you there. Um, if you're waiting for Kenobi, oh my gosh, we're this has been hmm. such a long wait, right? And it's finally going to be here. Don't let anyone online steal your joy. Know that you have a safe space to come back to with us here at Four Center. Hmm. We're going to be analyzing. We are going to be celebrating it. We might have you know a few cr- criticisms. But we're going to be measured and thoughtful. And so I can't wait to see you guys on the other side. Love it there. (laughs) Joseph, take us home. Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw and all my other comedy stuff on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. I want to continue to highlight uh, the service Vote Forward. You can go to their website and check it out and see if it's for you. It's votefwd.org. And boy, did Jennifer just uh, knock it out of the park with her sentiments about what's coming up with Kenobi. So excited for the, the celebration part of Star Wars celebration and can't wait to see fellow fans there. Absolutely. Between darkness and light, choose hope. We'll see you all at Celebration. And we got a question episode this week. Don't you worry. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Force. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.